Praise the Lord, everybody. Um, welcome to our online service and our YouTube channel in every way that we can reach you. Uh, we're so glad to be in your homes today. Right now we're going to pray over tithes and offerings. And we're going to start again where I started last time in um, Genesis 8 and verse 22 because God begins everything with a seed. And he said, uh, he said in that verse, he said, as long as the earth remains, summer, winter, cold and heat, day and night, seed time and harvest time shall not cease. And so then we looked at what, what, what this means to have faith in a seed. When you think about seed in the natural, you got a bag of seeds. It could be a field of corn. But you'll never know it until you take that seed and shove it out of sight into the ground and water it and wait, <laughs> right? And so, so God, what God is teaching us through this is when you, how did he, he said that when you exchange what you've been given for what God has promised, which is really what ties and offerings are as well. You know, you've been given money, and now God is saying, if you'll exchange what you've been given, I'll give you what I have promised you. And so you plant a little seed, and you get a harvest from it. But, you know, again, Second Corinthians uh, 9 and verse 6 says, when you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. So I don't know how... <laughs> I'm thinking if I want a big harvest, I'm going to plant a lot of seed. Where I live, I've got deer and rabbits and things that are, and I'm, I'm planting a garden this year for the first time in my life. And, uh, but I realize that I'm, some of it I'm planting is for the animals that live in the neighborhood. <laughs> so I'm going to plant what I'm, I'm going to do is plant a lot of seed, and then I'm going to watch over the seed. And, and it's the same thing with finances. So we thank you, Father, today. As we sow our seeds into the kingdom of God, we're reminded that you told us that whatever a man sow, he would also reap. He'd reap it in due season if he didn't quit, if he didn't cave in. We thank you, Lord, that you said in First John 2, 3 John 2, rather, that your number one prayer for us, beloved, I pray for you, above all, that you would prosper, that you would be in health even as your soul prospers. So I recognize, God, that you want to prosper us, and that's why you gave us the seed. Deuteronomy 8.18, he said, I've given you the power to get wealth to establish my covenant in the earth. So, he, he, you know, he wants you to prosper. He wants you to be in health, even as your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions prosper. So then last time, uh, we were talking about, you know, what faith is or how to, how to get it, how do I use it, what, what does it look like. We, I want to talk about this for the next little while, because I realize that it's what we really need at this, in this hour. I know that, again, there's two, two emotions on the earth that are really power-driven, and all the motion is is energy in motion. It can be fear-based, or it can be based on the Word of God, but both of them, in many cases, are things that you can't see. Expecting anything that can go wrong will go wrong, or expecting what God has promised. He's powerful to perform, see. So, but again, I need to make the adjustment and what I take in is what I'm going to put out because out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks. So if I'm putting in all of this negative, negative, negative news, eventually I'm going to start talking about it. And what I speak about 
because, you know, um, Mark 4 and verse 14, the Lord was teaching. He said, the real seed is the word of God. Words are seeds. And when you sow them, you sow them by speaking them out and you plant them. And so if I keep talking fear, doubt, and unbelief, I will get a harvest of fear, doubt, and unbelief. But if I talk the word of God, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold, I'll get a return. And so you get a return to whatever you put in your heart. So put the word of God in your heart today. That's why he said in John 8, 31, 32, if you'll continue in my word, you'll be my disciples, my disciplined ones indeed. And then you will know the truth and the knowledge of the truth. The truth that you know will make you free. The more, the more you know about God, the freer you become. So then we looked at Habakkuk 2, 4, the just shall live by faith. And then we looked at Romans 1, 17, the just shall live by faith. Then we went to Galatians 3.11, the just shall live by faith. And then we went to Hebrews 10.38, the just shall live by faith. We stopped off at Romans 5.1, where you are justified or made right by faith, and you've got right standing with God your Father, not by your good looks or your good actions, but through the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so even righteousness, is, it comes by faith. And then when you hook that up with what the kingdom of God really is in Romans 14, 17, he said, my kingdom is not a physical thing. It's not a ritual. He said, this way, it's not meat nor drink. It's not a ritual that they went through. But he said, it's righteousness or knowing that you're right with God. Because in 1 John 4, 18, the Bible says to me that fear has torment. And those that are in fear are not made mature in love. When you know that God loves you, fear leaves. When you know how much God loves you, fear leaves. But what happened with Adam and Eve back in Genesis chapter 3, they, 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 they lived a faith life. They were living a good life until they committed high treason and rebelled against God. And then their faith left and fear came and they ran and hid. And the Lord came and said, Adam, why are you where, where you are? He gave him an opportunity to repent. He didn't get kicked out of the garden because he sinned. He got kicked out of the garden because he wouldn't repent. He blamed it on his wife. He blamed it on other people. But the thing that I really, my takeaway from Genesis chapter 3 is he went from a pure relationship with God to shame and guilt and unbelief, fear. And so whenever you're in fear, fear his, fear his torment because fear expects punishment. The whole world out there is afraid right now of punishment. They don't feel that they have a, you know, whether they ever admit it or not, they they don't have a proper connection with God or they don't know their connection with God or they're growing in their connection with God. And so the fear is there because it's uncertain because I don't have, I don't have enough faith because I don't have enough knowledge of who God is. And so that's why we're going to be talking on faith for a little while here. Because why? Romans 14, 17, or 10, 17, rather, says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It also, I heard Kenneth E. Hagin say this, faith comes by hearing and not by having heard. It's not about what you heard yesterday. I need to, you need to hear this every day. I need to, I need to hear that God loves me. I need to meditate. I need to remember Paul the Apostle, like we mentioned in the last service. He's sitting in a, in a jail cell in Rome, writing to the Philippian church. And he's not in a modern jail cell like we think of today, you know, watching the flat screen TV and staying out of the way of the guards. No, he was in chains and shackles. Read Acts chapter 12 and see what it was like when Peter was in jail. You get a picture of what it looked like. 
a dungeon means dung, you know, dung. I mean, you, what I'm saying is it wasn't a clean, it wasn't a healthy environment at all. Uh, and uh, so he was in quarantine. He was in isolation. He was locked up. And in the middle of it all, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And when I look at that, I realize there's a man that was more free on the inside than anybody around him on the outside. It's like in Acts chapter 26 and verse 2, when King Agrippa and, and uh, his wife, uh, they, they called Paul the apostle into this. And it says that Bernice arrived with all of her pomp. I picture this woman walking down the red carpet at the, at the, at the Academy Awards. She came in in all of her pomp. And she's, she's sitting there with King Agrippa beside her. And Paul the Apostle, they said, bring Paul in here. We want to hear what he has to say. They bring him in. And in verse 2, he, he says, they say, verse 1, Paul, you, you can speak now. Picture the clothes that he had on, all tattered and ragged from being in jail. I don't know if he had a ball and chain around his ankle or not. I, I, but I, I get this picture in my mind. And, and then his, his response when they say, you can speak now, he said, he says, hey, I count myself happy, King Agrippa, to get an opportunity to preach the gospel to you. I mean, the guy, the guy, and when I read that story, and I, I, I meditate that story, I picture that story, because I read it, what happened in history to Agrippa and Bernice, and it didn't turn out well for them. But now I'm still reading what Paul said. I mean, you can't go wrong when you rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. He understood. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. It can't change what's going on in me. He's the one that wrote Ephesians 2 and verse 6, that I'm seated in the heavenly realm in Christ. He said, I took my seat. He said, he said I took my seat. I'm not praying from heaven to heaven, rather, I'm praying from heaven. I'm declaring heaven's decrees and watching them come to pass. He recognized his priesthood and his kingship. And I pray that that's what your takeaway will be when we're done with all of this as well. So we looked at Habakkuk 2 and again, Romans 117. Romans 117 is also interesting in this, that he says this. He said, herein in this good news, the good news, the righteousness of God is revealed. So righteousness doesn't come by how, how well I act or because I'm the pastor of the church. No, righteousness comes by a revelation, just like in Genesis 15, 6, when the Bible says Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. So when you're right, again, that kicks in Romans 14, 17. He said, righteousness, the kingdom is righteousness. You're right with me. You have peace with me. In John 14, 27, he said, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives peace, I'm giving you my peace. The next chapter says, I'm giving you my joy that your joy might be full. So I don't know what we're doing in the natural while we're not getting together and I can hardly wait to hug y'all. But right now, we need to be rejoicing. We need to make sure that the heaviness that's everywhere the thing that you experience every year between Christmas and New Year's, because Christmas is such a letdown for most people, that heaviness that's in the atmosphere wherever you go right now, I pray in Jesus' name, let it not get on you. May the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ get on you, and you count yourself happy, O King Agrippa. Amen. Amen. And so then we looked at Galatians 3.11, and he says, you can't, you can't make yourself right by the law. But he said, the just 
shall live by faith. And then in Hebrews 10, 38, we looked at it and he said, he said, the just shall live by faith. And if you draw back, I have no pleasure in you. And I always used to, when I first read that thing, well, you know, I made him mad at me. He, he didn't take any pleasure in me until I read uh, Hebrews chapter 11, in particular in verse six, where he said, he said, he said, I'm the rewarder of those that diligently seek me. Right. So, well, well, let's read. Well, let's read uh, chapter 11 and verse one first. We looked at it last time. And again, I'm reading from Mark Hankins book. It's just scriptures from many translations. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse one, the Moffat translation says, now faith means that we are confident in what we hope for, convinced of what we do not see. So if I could see it, I don't need faith for it. In other words, the Jordan translation, I read it last time as well. Now faith is turning dreams. I like this. Now faith is turning dreams into deeds. It's betting your life on unseen realities. Fenton translation says it's the conviction of unseen facts. The Gaspard translation says faith means the assurance of what we hope for. It's our conviction about the things that we can't even see. Weymouth translation says, now faith is a grounded assurance of what we hope for and a conviction of a reality of the things that we can't even see. So you don't have to see it to get it. And then I'm hoping Hebrews 11, 6 is on the next page here. Oh, good it is. Look at this. So we understand this. He said, he said, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? Because he's a faith being. It's like, it's like I need to know how money works in order to live in this earth, right? I need to know about money. You have to teach people about money, the, the, the exchange, the money, right? You have to learn. If you don't learn how to take care of money, you end up in a mess. Like many people right now, I'm sure people that have lived from paycheck to paycheck are struggling right now. I pray for you in Jesus' name. But when this is over, adjustments need to be made. You need to put money away for a rainy day. You just can't go paycheck to paycheck. If you don't get enough money, then sow it into the kingdom of God and watch God multiply it back to you. Are you kidding? No, I'm not. I've been doing it my whole life, my whole Christian life. So, but, but just like you need to know how money works, you have to know how faith works. And so you need to know about faith in order to operate in the kingdom realm. And so he's saying here, He's saying here, without faith, it's impossible to please me. Why, God? Why? Because, number one, you believe that I exist. And if you believe that I exist, you're born again. But then, you know, you need to go the next step and know that I'm a rewarder of those that diligently. Come on, the rewarder of those that not half-heartedly, the rewarder of one, those that diligently seek me. Why diligently? Because when you know the truth, the, the truth will make you free. This is why he says it to Timothy in Timothy 2, 15, he says, study to show yourself approved, a workman unto God, <laughs> that you not be ashamed, that you'd be able to rightly divide the word of God. Rightly divide it because, you know, you can, you can take a verse from here and a verse from there and make this Bible say anything. You, you, you got to know that God's a good God and that he's for you, not against you. So Hebrews eleven six in the Jordan translation, without living by the unseen, it's impossible to get such approval. For anyone who is serious about God and God's life must stake everything on the fact 
must stake everything on the fact, must stake everything on the fact that God is and that he amply rewards those that make him their quest. And read, may I read that again? Okay. Come on. Without living by the unseen, it's impossible to get such approval. For anyone who is serious about the God life must stake everything on the fact that God is and that he amply rewards those that make him their quest. How about the Gaspar translation? For whoever would approach God must have faith in his existence and in his willingness to reward those that try to find him. So that's what we're doing, right? That's, that's, what, that's how we live our lives, right? And so faith, so faith, again, the, sub, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, not, the things not seen. Faith is, I believe God. But um, where can we go now, Lord? Hmm. Well, before we go to Hebrews chapter 4, let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, because faith, sometimes we don't recognize it when we see it. I mean, everybody, when I say Matthew chapter 8, you're thinking about, if you know the Bible at all, you're thinking about the centurion that caused Jesus to marvel. The, the centurion, basically, he came to Jesus. Well, let's talk about it for a minute here. He came to Jesus, or he sent some people to represent him to talk to Jesus. And, um, and uh, they came and said, you know, uh, the centurion, and again, he's a leader. He's a leader of at least 100, between 100 and 1,000 men. And so he's got this large group of people that he's responsible to and for. And uh, he sends to Jesus, obviously he had heard something. He sent to Jesus and said, I have a servant or somebody that worked in his house anyway that's sick. And Jesus said, okay, I'll come and uh, heal him. And the centurion said through this, the shliach, the sent one that he had sent there, he, he said, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof but speak the word only and my servant will be healed. Because he said, I am a man under authority. Under authority. And so I say to a man, go here and go there. And he does. But I like to point out the fact that he was under authority. You can't have any until you come under some. God will put an earthly authority in your life. And when you come under that authority, you'll walk in great authority. If you don't, you won't. It's just, you know, you can, anyway. We'll leave that alone, but my, the, the Bible says here that Jesus marveled. He was astonished. He was in awe of this man's faith. Unfortunately, over in Mark chapter 6, when he went to his own hometown, uh, he marveled at their unbelief because they treated him as ordinary. They treated him as common. Oh, he went into Nazareth, and they said, oh, yeah, you're Joseph's son, and you're this, and you're that. And they didn't respect the anointing that was on him, and he couldn't do a whole lot of work there, couldn't do a lot of work in, in his own hometown. But now, but the guy I want to look at here in Matthew 8 is not the centurion. I want to look back up at the leper. I'm not in Matthew 8 yet. I'm in chapter 7. Okay. Notice here it says that when Jesus came down from the mountain, a multitude followed him. So he's got a big crowd behind him. Now he's got a leper. And I don't know if you've ever been where lepers are, like over in the Philippines. They, they live off by themselves. They're, they're excluded from society. They can't even come with, I think, maybe 30 or 40 feet of you. They must yell, unclean, unclean, like trying to go to Costco today. <laughs> anyway, that's another, another story. But anyway, they, they, they weren't, weren't allowed around people. 
And it's ugly. They're dressed in rags. They come out to the side of the road hoping somebody will throw food out as they go by because they're not allowed in the villages. And uh, they got fingers missing and toes missing and noses sometimes because this thing that starts with a little white spot on your body takes over to the point where you lose your sensitivity and you can knock a finger off and not feel it. So the picture that I'm trying to paint here is this guy didn't look good. And this guy's coming in rags. But somebody must have told him about Jesus. And so now he's risking his life. He's risking his life just like the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5. He's coming to Jesus. He doesn't know if he's going to be accepted or not. He comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, if you will, I know that you can heal me. You've got to have some kind of faith to say that. See, this, but this is what faith looks like. This is exactly what faith looks like. Faith forgets about the crowd. Faith is desperate. Faith has to be desperate. You know, if you're concerned about what somebody sitting beside you in church will think about you when it's prayer time, you're not desperate yet. But when you get to where this guy is, this guy was desperate. And he said, Lord, if you will, I'll be, you can make me clean. And then the most powerful thing of all, the Bible says, Jesus said, of course I will. And he touched him. He touched the man with the crow. No, he, he touched this man. But more than that, one, one uh, revelation, one translator said that he embraced him. And so I get the picture of a man that hasn't had a human. Think about how long it's been since he's had any human contact. It could have been years. Isolated all by himself. And now here's the creator of the universe. Awesome Jesus Christ. Walks up to him and hugs him and says, be thou clean. And immediately, whoo, hallelujah, he was healed. Come on. If that doesn't float your boat, man, come on. Let's look at another one. There's one I think over in, it's in Luke. Luke chapter 13. Luke 13, in, we'll pick it up in verse, uh, I need to get where he's talking in the synagogue. I need to make sure that I point that out, that this happened in church. Okay, let's, we'll pick it up in verse 9. And if it bears fruit, well, and if not, we'll, we'll cut it down. We don't need to go back into that story. But I want to point out verse 10. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. So this is church. This is happening in church, okay? That was, synagogue was their church. And so they had a rabbi there. They had a priest that had been there forever, right? Well, as long as he lived anyway. So you get the point. And behold, there was a woman there with a spirit of infirmity, 18 years. Now think about it. She went to church every Saturday for 18 years and she wasn't healed. Now that to me is, that's some kind of faith. 
when you can endure things and keep on going, believing, you believe in that someday, one day, God is, uh, something good is about to happen. I'm going to be faithful in these little things so that God can trust me with much. So I picture this woman, it says that she was bowed over with a spirit of infirmity. No, no, some... <laughs> No, no, you, you, no, those of you that decide when, when to go to church and when not to, get a picture of this woman. She was in love with God, or she wouldn't, this was not ritual. If it was ritual, she wouldn't, she, she came bowed over. Here's that woman back here again. She wouldn't leave. She was faithful to plug into God. It says, it says the woman was headache, but notice where sickness comes from, really. Sickness and Satan are synonymous terms. I'm telling you, ease or peace comes from the Lord. Disease comes from Satan. Fear comes from Satan. Faith comes from God. Simple as that. So she had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed almost together and couldn't even lift, couldn't even lift her face up, couldn't even lift up to look. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she stood up straight and glorified God. Now, the pastor of the church was so happy about it, he came down and hugged Jesus. No. What does it say here? The ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. Because that Jesus had healed the man on the Sabbath day. Missed the miracle altogether. This is what religion will do to you. It clouds your judgment. And, 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 and not only that... You know, those pious religious people with all their fancy garments and things, they they didn't, if if he had been healed through his ministry, he'd have celebrated probably. But he didn't want anybody else getting any, any glory. He was, see, these guys take the glory of God and put it on themselves so that they can shine, so that they can look good. And Jesus didn't make him look good, so he missed the miracle altogether. He probably missed heaven too. But let's read a little further. He laid hands on her and immediately she was straight and she glorified God. The ruler of the synagogue was upset because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath and said to the people, there are six days that men ought to work, but not on the Sabbath. The Lord then answered and said, you know, this is sweet Jesus. I like this stuff. You, you, you hypocrite. <laughs> He's, he got saucy like the pastor of this church does sometimes. And uh, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham... Now, get a hold of this, too, when you're believing God for healing in your own body. You're, you're, you're a daughter of Abraham, too. The, come on, Galatians 3.29 says, If any man be in Christ, he's Abraham's seed and heirs of the promises. So the promises that were made to Abraham and his seed, they're yours. Matter of fact, Peter 2.4 says, They're exceeding great and precious promises, and you can partake of his divine nature. You can escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. Get a hold of the promises. How long do I have to hang on? This woman, this woman was faithful for 18 years. This woman didn't give up after 18 years. 
You don't never lay your faith down. Take up the my Bible tells me in in, the, in the Ephesians six, beginning verse ten through the end of the chapter. Take up the shield of faith. Pick it up. It'll quench every fire of the dart of the wicked one. And again, what is faith? It, it, the, it's evidence of things not seen. So that woman had evidence of things she couldn't see in the natural. She was still crippled up and bowed over, but she had the faith. How much faith did she have? I all I know is she couldn't even stand up straight but she made it to the synagogue every Sunday every Saturday like you know this is this is and so I, I've got people right here in this congregation that are just like that they believe in God for stuff they believe in God for a long time but I'll tell you what you can count on Th they'll be here when the doors open they're here they're not home crying they're here <laughs> they might not be happy some days but they're here they're present right so, so, so he said, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, who's, look, who, what, who Satan, who, come on, who Satan is bound, who bound, who bound, um, who bound this woman, who bound this woman, Bible says that she was bound by Satan these 18 years, and she'd been loosed from the bond on the Sabbath day, verse 17, and when he had said these things, all of his adversaries were ashamed and all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. So again, living by faith. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. Or maybe we should go to, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 6. I know that many of you have heard this story before. I'd like to do this today. Is it chapter 6 or is it chapter 7? It's, uh, yeah, chapter 7. Yeah. The, this message, I preached this one time before. I said, tomorrow, tomorrow at this time, there shall be plenty, and it's going to be cheap. And I would like to say that as well. This, this thing that we're going through right now, it's, it's not the end of the age, and it will be over. And the, what the Bible promised the church is still true. The wealth of the wicked is laid up in store for the just. There'll be a great transference of, of finances. Again, uh, when you read Haggai chapter 2, he said, I'm going to shake the nations. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. I'm going to shake the, all the nations and the desire of the nations will come. And then he said, I'm going to glorify this house, the house of my glory. In verse, he said, the gold and the silver are mine. In verse 9 of Habakkuk 2, Haggai, rather, first, verse, chapter 2 and verse 9, he said, the glory of this latter house will be greater than the former. In Hebrews chapter 3, he makes it very clear that you're his house. You know, know you not, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, he said in Corinthians chapter 6. So he said, the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the former. He's coming back for a glorious church without spot, without wrinkle. He's coming back. Your best, day, listen, these, are, these days, we, we'll get through this. Your best days are not behind you. Your best days are just coming up. They're coming up. The biggest revival, the biggest harvest the world has ever seen is about to hit this earth. So if you're listening to something that's that different than that, read your Bible. Read the book. You know, if you need help, Come and see us. We've got lots of good teaching materials that'll let you know about the, the days, the age that we're living in right now.
Okay. So, but I like this story because I, I felt like I could identify with this story many times. Elijah said, now here's Elisha preaching to the leadership of the city. He, he says, tomorrow about this time, they had been under siege, by the way, by the enemy. They had been locked up and trapped. They were, they were, um, they were in house arrest. The, the whole town was shut down. And so here they are confined to the city and they're running out of food. They're running out of food. They're running out of toilet paper. I don't know what people are going to do with that, that, all that toilet paper they bought because there's no shortage anymore. Anyway, it says, Elisha said, this is the word of the Lord God. Tomorrow about this time, there, a measure of flour will be sold for a shekel and a measure of barley will, uh, will be cheap at the gates of Israel. Uh, maybe I should have read something else. Let's go back to chapter 6 and verse 35. Then we'll jump into this again. 25, rather. If you're looking for 35 right now, you won't find it. There's only 33 verses. Okay, verse 25 says this. There was a great famine in North America. And behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for, four, for eight, 80 pieces of silver and a cab of dove's dung for three pieces or five pieces of silver. So they were eating pigeon poop. Come on. Uh, you know, Costco's still open. The grocery stores are still open. Those essential services are still open. The church, unfortunately, is closed, not deemed an essential service. We could have had services here. We could have uh, obeyed the laws and kept the right distance apart and all that. But they didn't see the church as an essential service. <laughs> they don't see God. Anyway, you get my drift. Uh, we're, not, we're not in the condition that these guys were in. But nonetheless, we need to learn lessons from this. So then when you get into chapter 7, Elijah's preaching and saying, this famine will come to an end. The, the financial realm, the financial inversion will take place. And uh, the, one of the leaders of the government said this. It says, then the Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered and said unto the man of God, behold, is the Lord, if the Lord would make windows of heaven, he couldn't make this happen. God just couldn't do this. <laughs> hey, preacher, don't get people's hopes up. God himself couldn't change the economy in one day. Hey, preacher, don't get people's hopes up. Elisha said, well, you'll, you'll get, you, you, it'll happen, but you won't get to partake of it. Why? Because you don't, you don't, if you don't believe, the, if you don't believe the prophet, you won't prosper. <laughs> this is just, if you don't believe the word of God, you, you know, it's, but that's, that's not a condemning word. If you don't believe it, faith comes by hearing and hearing where the word of God, get some, get some. So anyway, so, so uh, verse three, and there were four leprous men, At the, <laughs> at the entering of the gate. And they said unto one another, why should we sit here until we die? They said to one another, they talked to one another, and they were leprous men. And, and I, I tell you, when we started our church 28 years ago, we felt like that's who we were. We, we weren't invited into 
a lot of the Christian things that were going on because we preached the we were word of faith preachers. We would grab it and blab it, name it and claim it. They they said about us, and so the city didn't care that we came. But the church, some of the churches were pretty upset with us, and 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 still are to this day. Some in some cases, but we're okay. So and there were four leprous men. <laughs> It's whenever I read that, I think about the four guys that that took their friend to Jesus and they couldn't get in the building. So they went up on the roof and ripped the roof off the building and lowered them down. I, I noticed that God always fulfills these things. Just, just like that woman that we read about all bowed over with a spirit of infirmity. It's interesting that it was 18 years. And when I go back into Judges chapter 3 and verse 14, it's a story about how Moab was ruling over the Jews for 18 years. And the story ties, the story ties right together with what we read. I'm not going to get into that, but the same thing with these four lepers. And also I get the four gospels out of this as well, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So there's a connection to all of this. And there were four leprous men at the entering of the gate. And they said to one another, why are we going to sit here until we die? If we enter into the city, we'll starve to death. If we sit here, we'll die here. <laughs> Now, therefore, let's go, let's go and march towards the host of this, a huge army that had been pilfering the land for years, a huge army. And these four guys make a decision if we stay. And I like to make that decision every day. If I stay where I am, I'll die. If I go backwards, I'll die. I always need to keep my face forward, forgetting those things that are behind. I press on toward the mark, the high calling of God in Christ. I'm always look. I can look anywhere as long as I'm looking ahead. I haven't got time to look back. I, I, my rear view mirror is this big. My windshield is this big. I, I get it. I got it figured out. I need to watch where I'm going, not where I'm coming from. Because my future is so bright, I'm getting new sunglasses. You know what I'm talking about, okay? So he said, and they rose up. The famine was great in the city. If we stay here, we'll die. So they rose up and began to march. They rose up in the twilight. And when they took the first step, they broke into the supernatural realm. When Peter said, <laughs> Peter said, Jesus, if that's you, bid me come. And Jesus had no problem with Peter walking on the water. Think about it. A natural man walked on the water. You're, and then Peter says this, and when he wrote Second Peter uh, chapter one, he said, he said, he said, I'm writing on to you those of you that have received like precious faith. He's saying the same faith that I got, you got. I walked on the water. What are you talking about? Come on, no, no. Your believing can get a whole lot bigger than what it is right now. You haven't even touched. Jesus said in John fourteen twelve, these works will you do, also. What? That was enough. And then he said, and greater, because I'm going to my father. I, I meet people all the time. Pastor, what's the greater works? I'm saying, just do the first part of the verse first. Do the works that he did, and then, and then we'll talk about what's the greater. What's the greater? This is greater right here. They rose up in the twilight to go toward the camp of the Syrians. They stepped over into the supernatural realm. And a whole nation was saved. Come on. Because some weak, disabled, unqualified men stopped making the excuses in spite of their obvious handicaps and reasons to do so, and they became celebrities. <laughs> Four 
men, four weak, beaten down men. So don't tell me that you can't do it. Don't, don't dare come to Pastor Gary Hooper and tell him that you're limited. <laughs> you, there's no limits on you. Because what I have found, this is, listen to this too, your quitting point and the point of your breakthrough are at exactly the same place. Let me say that again. Your quitting point and your point of breakthrough are exactly the same place. It's time to break through now. It's time to get out of your funk and get over into the promises of God. And so they began to march. And the Lord made the host of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots. <laughs> Come on. He, made, he turned up the sound, the noise of horses and the noise of a great host. And they said to one another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired us, hired against us the kings of the Hittites, and the Egyptians have come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight, left their tents, their horses, their asses. They left the camp just like it was and fled for their lives. That's why when I see what the kings of this world are trying to do, I'm like, Jesus, I'm telling you, I got it down. I got it working. My Bible says in Psalm 2 that he sits in the heavens and laughs because he has them in derision. My wife, Nancy, got up over the bed yesterday and she was just standing by the side of the bed laughing and laughing and laughing. I said, well, that's fulfilling scripture, right? <laughs> this is not, this, I'm telling you, this is an exciting time. Knowing that when this is over, I'm going to see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Don't tell me, don't tell me I get to get depressed at a time like this. Not a chance. And when those lepers came to the uttermost parts of the camp, they went into one tent and one guy said to the other guy, I smell bacon. The other guy said, I smell eggs. The other guy said, look, there's toilet paper. And they came into the camp and they did eat and they did drink and they carried out look at this they carried out the silver they carried out the gold you talk about a financial inversion come on they carried out the silver and the gold you you might be struggling right now believing god for finances because you haven't been able to work through this believe this believe god don't believe the and, and if you're waiting for the government to give you the handout to get you through all this think about it they don't have any money They've never had any money. They take our money and spread it around, but they don't have any. They can't give you any. And, and then lots of times, if you believe the promises of our government, you really need to get a hold of the promises of God. Even when they mean well, they don't have the power to do it. This world doesn't, the, 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 no, there's not a government on this planet that can change this world right now. You better know that the just shall live by faith. So he said, they went from one tent to another tent. They did eat and they did drink and carried silver and gold and raiment. They went and, they went and hid it. This is what lots of times people do with prosperity. They take and hide it. They take it and stick it in a bank somewhere instead of using it to be a benefit to the human race. Anyway, they went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and they carried it away from there also. Then, they, then the, a revelation hit them. Then they said to one another, we're not doing well this day. The good tidings, if we keep these good tidings to ourselves, if we tarry until the morning night, something bad could happen to us. We need to go and realize that the blessing is for the king's household. The blessing of God that he gives to your life is for his household. Come on, so spread it around and expect it. Spread it around and expect it. I'm not finished but if you've known me for a while, I'm never finished, but I'm going to stop for now. But I promise you that over the next little while, I'm going to be preaching faith because fear is so rampant. And I believe that 
faith will drive it out. How do I know that? Because there is no fear in love. In mature love, mature love casts out fear. And when you get faith in the fact that God loves you, you'll be fearless. Proverbs 28, 1, I'll leave you with this. The wicked flee when no one runs away, but the right, when no one's pursuing, rather. But the righteous are bold as lions. Let's hear you roar. And please go get dressed now. You're funny in your underwear. Okay, thank you. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.